0: Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, Smart Chiropractors. Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. I'm Dr. Jeff Langmaid here with my co-host, Dr. Jason Deitch. Today we are joined by a self-professed Clinical nerd, Dr. Dino Babas. Dino, great to reconnect with you. It's been a few years since we first said hi to each other quite a few years ago. Thank you so much for taking time and chatting with us today.
1: Hey guys, thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Uh, happy to be a guest. I don't know what kind of value I'm going to add, but hopefully your listeners, there's something they, they want to hear or a nugget they, they, they'll they learn from
0: today. I have full confidence you're going to deliver. I look at, you said it before pre-roll, you got alphabet soup going on. You, you have a ton of certifications many more than I even know what they are. You are somebody who has taken clinical practice super seriously throughout your career. I'd love to trace it back. And where did you really develop that intent focus on wanting to really learn everything you can from a clinical sense to provide the best care possible? It is unique. We have a lot of docs and students who geek out on the clinical stuff,
1: but you have gone super deep. Where'd that start? Failure. Like, humbly speaking, like, uh, I don't care about my successes. I care more about my failures for two reasons. In some way, shape, or form, there was a patient I didn't help. Not that you can help everybody, but you at least want to know where you failed. So if that situation came up, you at least have a mindset of, I, I now have the knowledge to help this person, whether it's a referral, a diagnosis that wasn't made. And let me tell you, I humbly, I failed so many times over the years, more than I, you know, I can possibly remember it each time through. It drives you to be more and more and more successful. So, honestly, Doc, humbly, it's been it's been failure, and I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I think the people that don't talk about their failures are missing a great opportunity for growth.
2: Well, we appreciate your humbleness, but I guess uh, you know many many times people would look at failure as the stimulus to learning, um, and thus it's not a failure. It's in fact uh, the natural process of learning. <laughs> (laughs) My question, uh, Dino, is you seem to be very passionate about really not just taking care of people in your community, but I hear, you know, in your heart, your desire to really help the profession, Uh, whether it's through your podcasts or you've mentioned you put together sort of an algorithm for those that aren't going to go as deep as you have for the motivation that you have to go that deep. Tell us more about what drives you to want to not just help people in your community, but also really wanna sort of give back to the profession and help elevate everybody at the same time.
1: Yeah, Doc, a rising tide raises all ships. If we can make as a profession our lowest common denominator better, we're in a unique position as a profession to be the gatekeeper for musculoskeletal medicine. We have to want it, we have to own it, but we can't just rest on our laurels. We have to uh, continuously work one step at a time, like a marathon. There's no free beer. There's no free banana. There's no metal. There's no t-shirt at mile six. We have to elevate ourselves as a profession. I'm grateful for the work that you guys are doing on your end to make that happen. I followed you guys for several years and anything from your, your uh, clinical pearls and nuggets to your research briefs, to how to market to physicians, to how to run an efficient practice, all of that hap- uh, happens. My niche in particular is the clinical side, but your niche is the practice development side and together there's synergy. And then humbly speaking, you know, if we can, little by little, you teach me what you learn on the clinical uh, patient communication, the systems, I can help with the clinical. We'll get there in terms of being the gatekeeper for musculoskeletal medicine, which I feel is our place, our rightful place, we can ascend to.
0: I love it. That is absolutely true. And I appreciate those kind words. I'd love to know with your experience, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit right now. <laughs> so you've gone to a ton of different seminars. You have a ton of certifications and qualifications. Looking back, what's some of your favorites? If I was a young doc or even an experienced doc, and I'm asking you, man, I want to know more about, what it's say, sports chiropractic. Where should I look? You know, who should I follow? What certifications would you recommend? I'd love to know your insight based upon going through so many yourself. This is great insight information for everybody to know.
1: Yeah, so... I was fortunate. Um, I was very fortunate because I was at Logan college and um, one of the big names around there is Dr. Brett Winchester and a lot of folks in in our profession know that name, but if they have a chance to shadow him, pick his brain, I had those failures and I saw Dr. Winchester at the time succeeding where with, I failed in the past, becoming a chiropractor, I was an athletic trainer. So it started me on what makes him different and what about his approach? And always the willingness to learn and modify in, in light of new evidence and tinker with this thing. And then learning how he had mastered the clinical audit process, which really accelerates the learning curve. It's basically find your assessments, intervene, retest your assessments, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And what that does is take weeks and weeks and weeks of trying something. Is there a change in the baseline? It skinnies it down to so you can figure that out in a couple sessions. And uh, that was the first thing that really opened my eyes. That I'd worked in it as an athletic trainer, in outpatient physical therapy. You re-up somebody per physician script, thirty days. They thirty days. Uh, how's your pain? Ah, feels good. Can you go up and downstairs? Ah, maybe. But you're not auditing it out to make this an efficient process. So uh, it's more than just about being a sports chiropractor. It's having an efficient system to kind of know where to where to you know not waste your time, or more importantly, the patient's time or money. Uh, this is a very dollar-driven healthcare era that we live in, and how do we get efficient, uh, rapid results, and how do we not waste patients' time on your energy? He told me about the clinical audit process, and that was the first glimpse I had.
2: Aha. That is awesome. Uh, Dino, I'm looking at your YouTube page. Uh, For those watching or listening, uh, it's Dr. Dino Papas, P-A-P-P-A-S. We'll put links down below. Uh, What I want to just sort of acknowledge you on is, you know, your title is Pain to Performance. Uh, That this is not just get them out of pain and release them. It is giving them the understanding of the spectrum of, you know, yes, you're in crisis care, but there is a goal to get you to perform at your best ability. Knowing that, my question for you is what are, you know, if there's a top or several, it's hard to answer that one single, but based on your conversation of failures with clinicians, with people you take care of clinically, if you were to apply that sort of filter to the profession, what do you think are some of the profession's greatest weaknesses collectively? When you look around and you sort of see where we can, you know, you say, we, we've we got to want it. We've got to, you know, sharpen our pencils and, you know, sharpen our skills. Where do you think are some of the greatest weaknesses that would be collectively the place that this profession needs to start doing exactly that?
1: Yeah, there is a bunch of them, but the commonality that I see is we don't have, a, at least like... I believe it was Palmer Chiro- Chiro- uh, College of Chiropractic did an in depth study. And the in depth study is what does the general population think about the profession? Like, what do we treat? What do we want? And what they found was uh, pretty, pretty uh, important and pretty startling as to where the profession is and where we should track. We don't have an overwhelming uh, national identity. And the identity that the public thinks we have is different than what chiropractors think. So there's a mismatch here. They see us as mostly spying. They see us as treating some MSK issues. They don't want lifelong treatment three times a week for the rest of your life. That doesn't mean that you know we have to just treat pain. That's not not the case, not where I'm getting at. So I think the biggest problem is we don't have a national identity that's congruent with what the public wants. And I think if we all could filter around and say, hey, our consumers, our patients, they demand this and want this. I think it goes a long way to setting the rest of it, everything up from the training that we should receive to the training that we need to receive to how do we market to that demographic that seeks our services? Because we're a niche uh, and I don't think we need to stay niche. We're specialty Um uh, we're seen as specialists, but we should embrace that role and identify and take steps to to fulfill
2: that public need that that they've created, not us. I, I'm gonna follow up if I can, Jeffrey. It, do you, can you go deeper on that, Dino? You know, if you had a magic wand, a crystal ball, if you had, you know, unlimited resources, wh- what would that look like? Can you describe that in more detail?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna break it, uh break it down just one step further. So they did a study in the early to mid 2000s, and they looked at the current uh uh chiropractors and chiropractic. And then where where should chiropractic grow? And they came up with four scenarios. And the first scenario is not very good. We continue to do the same old, same old. And guess what? We start going the way of the dinosaur as our market share gets cut into by other professions that are doing manipulation, manual therapy, uh, and and that have a little bit more of a a base to kind of explore into the other MSK stuff. The second, there was great growth in geriatrics. The problem with geriatrics of an aging population was that we have to deal with Medicare and Medicaid, and historically chiropractic and Medicare and Medicaid has been a, uh, an experiment in uh, disaster, mm-hmm. right? Like our services are not improved, not covered. There's a finite amount of Medicare dollars. So that leaves two scenarios that they projected for future chiropractic growth. One, we started to integrate and become an integrated neuromusculoskeletal specialist with an emphasis in spine. That is very plausible, and that's what the Palmer study picked up on. That's what the public sees us at. Uh, so we, we work in standardized healthcare systems alongside rubbing elbows with other providers that can assist us, and we can assist them. Let me take the cases that aren't surgical because I want to free you up for the one thing that you do well. But you know what? I may need help. I may need a, a patient for an oral steroid or an epidural. Great. Let me send those to you because that's where you play ball very well. And the fourth scenario um, that that they predicted was uh, as a portal of entry into anything conservative care. So like you become the portal of entry, not into the medical world. If a person needs to go to acupuncture, you would know when to make that referral, massage therapy, nutritional medicine. And and that's where I see expanding one step further on you is where do we grow? We grow into an integrated system. And we grow by truly understanding what the access is to the other forms of complementary and alternative medicine. And if we can position ourselves that way, we've done ourselves well and the future of our profession well as well. I
0: really like that answer because I've had some personal conversations lately with people who are looking for healthcare providers that are more on the holistic and natural side. And it's been difficult to find. And I think if there's nobody... We should be the ones who know those people in our community, right? It, you know, if you don't, you don't want steroids, you don't need an right now. you don't need surgery. You're looking for somebody more in the natural realm of healthcare Beyond the services of what we do as chiropractors, I think we should be the absolute portals for that, whether that's massage, acupuncture, more of a naturopathic doctor, whatever it might be for that patient or consumer. I think that that's critical. And a lot of this goes to my question for you, which is around translating this to consumer speak. You have been doing a great job getting out there on YouTube. As Jason mentioned, we'll drop that link down below with your podcast. One of the challenges I'd love to know your insight is quite often. The docs who focus on the clinical care have a little bit more of a difficult time communicating that you're getting out there, taking action and doing it was perhaps something you've learned along that way, or perhaps an inspirational tip that you would share with docs that are really deep into the clinical aspects and just don't have the confidence yet to get out there and start communicating that with the people that need to hear it most.
1: Yeah, it's almost like we have to hit control, alt, delete in our brain. The moment that we graduate, we're no longer talking to um, our fellow students or our professors. We're talking to the public. And there's a huge disconnect between the clinical messaging and then what you say to a patient. Like we're talking about growth of the profession and what public identity is. I th- really think that you should have two mentors, and ideally it would be one person, but there's really, um, it's really hard to find a great clinical person. That's a great patient communicator. Right. And, and like I saw Dr. Winchester and he does it well. I've seen Annie O'Connor. Uh, you were there at Ford 19, man, when she communicated with the video, I look back at myself and I say, I suck. I've been at this for like 16, 17 years, athletic training as a chiropractor. and I suck compared to her. So, Try to find a mentor that's a master at patient communication, and they really give you the basics. Um, They listen to a patient's story. They process when the patient's talking. They don't cut the patient off, but they steer the conversation for those nuggets in a really intuitive and great way. Um, So how do I, uh, you know, create a YouTube page or communicate with the people? Failures help refine how I practice and our approach having a good mentor, watching Annie lecture, watching Brett talk, uh, the some of the things that you guys do as well, like you have part of his educational, the chiropractors, part of your communication style is to professionals, but part of your communication style is to people. Let me find those nuggets when you communicate with that patient. Let me glean the most important thing. The last thing, I really think we should expand as a profession on psychology and it's psychology of what drives a patient. Fear. Why does like, why do patients come see us? They're afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to have pain the rest of my life. I'm afraid I can't pick up my kid. I'm afraid this is going to get worse. Very seldomly are they actually coming in, you know, because of like, nothing's wrong. I just want to be able to bench 500 pounds. Right. And even you could do that. I'm afraid I'll never be able to bench 500 pounds. So we're, like, yeah. Yeah. How much you bench doc? Probably all three of us together couldn't bench 500 pounds. Right. But moral of the story is, you know, when we start talking about this, we really have to have a good grasp. And I think they should go the route of teaching this school on motivational psychology, motivational interviewing, and really understanding kind of what's the patient's story and what's in their mind. Because then we can reverse engineer a game plan to get them along. We dive in clinically and we forget about the person. We do it backwards. And that's I've had that problem and that fault. I'm better. I'm not the master at it.
2: That's phenomenal. And with mental health issues and everything going on these days, helping people get their mind right to help them want to know that they're worth taking care of is oftentimes one of the biggest issues as well. It's, that's really valuable. What's next for you? you know, you're always learning. You're always growing. You're always obviously failing forward and refining what you're doing so that you can continually do better. Where are you now? What are some of the things you're working on? And what do you foresee uh, some of the growth areas for you in the near future?
1: I'm actually very fortunate. I work for a a, a large healthcare group, employs chiropractors and and rehab recovery specialists. Um, I'm actually uh, transitioning a little bit more into like a local leadership role for Austin. And hopefully, hopefully like a raising tide raises all ships. I can have a little more impact and it's not a selfish, I want to use that as a tool. So I help them. So they help their communities, which in turn makes it easier for, you know, chiropractic to be seen as a, dominant NMSK force in our community. So what's next for me is hopefully opportunity at this point in my career, middle of my career to get into more of a leadership mentorship role in general here in Austin. And hopefully, you know, anything from the clinical to the patient psychology stuff, I failed at it. I've learned my hard lessons and if I can accelerate the learning curve, we get better as a profession. I also like the physical challenges. So if you guys never want to hike the Grand Canyon with me or go out to Mount Rainier, open invitation if you're, if you're, um, <laughs> interested in the physical challenges.
0: Nice. That is awesome. We, we, we will be connecting off camera. Cause oh, <laughs> let's, let's talk it down. Uh, Dino, super appreciate you taking time out of your day. You over delivered. So thank you so much no. for taking thank time. Thank you so much. For the opportunity, keep it it doing great fun. work guys. Keep, keep it up. You're helping. Thank you. It is our pleasure. And I'm going to encourage everybody listening and watching. We're going to drop links down below. So keep in touch. See what uh, Doc is up to here. Follow on YouTube. Check out the podcast. Great guest list. Awesome interviewer. Check it out. Get connected. And until next time, uh, thank you, Dino, for being on today's episode of Interviews. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you for listening to interviews by The Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by The Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.